It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudler. I'm Jesper De Jong. I'm Henry Larson. I am Francisco Segundolo. And you're listening to the Game to Love podcast. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. It is semi-final time. That's right. Sorry, sorry for not bringing this earlier. Uh, obviously, there were quite a few events going on in the UK, as all of you around the world are probably aware. Uh, Queen Elizabeth has passed away. So there has been, well, quite a lot of mourning, I think I'd say, in the UK. And news that's really like taken some time just to really sink in, I think, with the whole nation. So we've taken our time, paid our respects, and I'm sure the whole world will pay their respects over the coming weeks. So... Yeah, but we're here to talk about the tennis, aren't we, JG? Yeah, it sort of come out of the blue a little bit. I uh, wasn't expecting the news with the Queen. It all happened quite soon. Um, and obviously, it is extremely sad. So, well, uh, hopefully we can try and bring some light to your day. It's been a bit of a dark day, but the tennis is still going ahead. We've got the US Open. This is the semi-finals. We'll be doing the men's and the women's on this same video. And of course, we're going to be covering the women's semi-final first on the watch along, which will be Ons Jabeur, Caroline Garcia. So a really excited one to start with. Yeah. Um, but in this preview, let's go through the matches. We've not really spoke about it together. I did a news video earlier on Adikarad Sinner. But what was your take on that matchup before we get into this one? I mean, just... It was, it was, it was dubbed as like the match of... Well, one of the, the matches of the decade when I think the US Open said that one of the greatest matches in history, they went all the extreme to, I don't know if it's that great, but it was really good. And I think just for drama, I don't know if it's just something that these two are going to bring to the courts every time that they play each other, but it seems to happen. The desire from Alcaraz is just something to behold. And Yannick Sinner is just becoming better and better every time you see him on a tennis court. He's always... He's just like a fine margin away every time from from greatness, I feel, Yannick Sinner. And it'll come. I don't think that this is uh, going to be 
like the highest ceiling for him. But Alcaraz, I mean, just some of the stuff he does on the court, it's just incredible. It blows your mind, like just watching him do crazy backhand hits behind his back and like sliding on hard courts, running around, saving match points. Incredible. I mean, five hours, 15 minutes. I think I read he'd played like over 10 hours in his last two matches, and yet he still stayed behind for what, like 30 minutes afterwards to sign autographs, everything, and got into a press conference at 3.30 a.m. That is ridiculous. I mean, they need to change some of the timings if that's the way that it's going to end up for some of these players. I don't think they expected the match to go on, Ben, for five hours and 15 minutes. So that's part of it. Yeah, but it's happened before and it will happen again. I mean, that's the latest one ever. But we had Djokovic-Zverev and that was like a pretty late one, if I remember rightly. And that one went five sets as well. So it's not the first time. It probably won't be the last time. I'm sure everybody just likes the drama, to be honest. But it was a dramatic match. I, I thought it was incredible. I think this is the these are the two standout people who are going to take the men's game forward and they put on another display. And I said, even before that kicked off, this is probably going to be match of the tournament. Yeah, right. right. It certainly did deliver. It was match of the tournament. But before we go on to whether you think Arkaraz can now go on to win the whole thing, let's start with the women. I'll bring up the tweets because we have here... Caroline Garcia, Ons Jabur, the first semi-final up. Well, we'll be covering it on the channel. And here we've got only two victories separate four of the world's uh, top female players from their first US Open Championship. Here's how the physical factors stack up in the women's semi-final. And we've got some stats here. And this is the physicality index. We've got Caroline Garcia, 2.2. Ons Jabur, 4.1. Distance covered. Ons Jabur's covered a lot more distance. Workload, she's got more units. High speed distance, she wins on that. Explosive movement, she has that as well. Wow. However, I still fancy Carolyn Garcia <laughs> because despite all of them stats I've just mentioned, let me bring this up. She was ranked outside the top 70 and hadn't reached the final in three years as recently as June. Now she's won 31 of her last 35 matches and is on a 30 match winning streak. Uh, so, moreover, prior Impressive. to last month's Cincinnati title run, she'd never reached a final above WTA 250 level outside of China. So, this is just uncharted territory. She's been on tour for ages. And let's be honest, she's just been a bit of a journey journeywoman. She's yeah. not done very much at all. And all of a sudden, this year, she won the doubles at Roland Garros. Now we're looking at her as like the new Iga Cervantes. I mean, no one can <laughs> stop her. It's what a rise. Mad. It just, just goes a, to show, Ben, yeah. if you don't give up, don't give up on your dreams, you could be the next Caroline Garcia. Keep plugging away. Maybe one day you might get a set against me. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. I mean, it's one of those things, I think, in this one, that it's quite crazy to see someone's game style suddenly come all the way back to its best and and more, really. I feel like she's playing the best tennis of her career. Oh, I mean, yeah. like we've said, people have different peaks in their career at different times. And the same thing we said for Karatsev when he suddenly broke on the scene, he was like 27 years old and that it can happen at any time for a player. I mean, luckily for Garcia, she was already number four many years ago and now she's coming all the way back to that type of form again. Just the tennis she plays, we're only used to seeing from eager and well, this year I'd say, and she's now, doing the same thing that she is, taking balls early, 
finishing them off when they're in the middle of the court and serving really well, which is one thing Eager hasn't really been doing in this tournament. Yeah, the last uh, French Slam champion was in 2013. So she's really flying the flag wow. for France at the moment. If she can do something historic and go all the way and win it, that would be special. Who was that? Was that Bartoli? I don't know. Um, I I don't have that number. I don't have okay. that data That's right hard. now, but I'm sure someone will be able to let us know in the live chat yeah, yeah. right now. Uh, you're probably right, to be honest. I don't remember. I wasn't even born in 2013. You've got to remember, I'm quite young. <laughs> yeah, he's a whippersnapper. Um, but yeah, let's talk about this matchup specifically. On Jabur coming into this event, I didn't really fancy her too much, but she has been rather impressive, beating some big opponents. I thought the Kuda Metafer one was good. The last round was who? Remind me. Tomjanovic. Tomjanovic was even better. That was straight sets as well. Yep. And um, she's surprised me. Caroline Garcia has not surprised me. That's the difference. I mean, I'm coming into this one. You kind of would have expected her to get this far. The only one I thought she would have maybe struggled a little bit more with was the Coco Goff one. And she did. And Coco did okay. But Garcia just had too much power and strength. And she didn't even serve very well. I remember most of that match, she was on like 48% first serves. Yeah. So it just goes to show, if Garcia gets her serving together, I don't think Ons Jabur has a chance. For me, <laughs> I'm going to go straight with a prediction. Caroline Garcia wins this match in straight sets. How many times have we ruled Ons out this tournament? She keeps proving well, us there wrong. There we go. I've done it again. Well, I'm probably going to be going with Garcia, but I can't rule Ons out for a set look, look how well she's played like the only person she's dropped a set to is Shelby Rogers and we I was sort of bigging her up quite a lot before the tournament thinking she was going to have a really big tournament I think I had her knocking Ons out actually in my bracket so credit to Ons she's continued from that she's like you said by the way you was just... right Mike they're confirming it was Bartley oh. at Wimbledon 2013 same year Murray won his first Wimbledon oh fantastic so good knowledge Ben thank you yeah I know I remember this uh this name cropping up though. I remember it was, it was a bit of an anomaly. I think Bartoli winning one. Yeah. So yeah. as you were saying, yeah, I, I just think she just hasn't dropped a set since Shelby Rogers. So I think she's going to be good for a set. Unfortunately for Jabur, I feel that she's probably going to win the first set and then losing three. Yeah. That's what I'm going to go for anyway. But yeah, to talk a bit more about these two, they've got a head to head whilst JG just uh, pops out and comes back. Uh, on the main draw, they've only played twice before, and uh, Jabur's won both of them. She won in Australian Open in 2020. That was by two sets to one. And Garcia took the first set, and then Jabur came through in three. And then before that, they played at the US Open, and that was in 2019. And Jabur won tiebreak in the first, 10-8, and then 6-2 in the second. But there were some other interesting statistics as well. But they were saying that they'd actually played more than twice because they played in the juniors, these two, against each other, I believe four times as well. And and Caroline Garcia has never defeated Ons Jabur. And I think it's 6-0 and is their head-to-head record across all of their matches uh, of all time that they've played. So really, really impressive from Ons Jabur. And are we going to be... Rule, ruling out somebody who just has somebody else's number because I feel like some of our predictions in the last in the last round in the quarterfinals yeah I mean we got it wrong I mean we put our hands up we got some right I said Alcaraz in five correct said TFO but in four 
still got TFO, didn't get Hatchinov, didn't get Rude. So half right. It's just one of these things now. I mean, I'm going to go against Ons Jabur, uh, but <laughs> quite frankly, I, I, everybody knows it already. I've got Garcia in my bracket final. I've got a bet on Garcia to win the uh, the US Open. So I'm going to go with Garcia to go through to the final. Two sets to one, but Ons, six love in the head-to-head, including juniors, scary. I, find, yeah. I don't think it's an easy match. Yeah, let's move on to the other semi-final. And do we have a graphic for that? I believe we do. Let's it's just next to it. Over. There we go. Let's move over a little bit. This one's Iga Savontek, world number one, versus Arina Sabalenka, who was world number two for some time. I'm not sure where she is now. Probably, is it four or five or something? Yeah, it's six coming in. So she's probably moved six up a bit in. now. Um, and here we go. Only two victories. Oh, it's the same thing. I'm not going to read that. I'm being an idiot. So <laughs> let's go through this. Physicality index. Eager wins that 4.39. Distance. Eager's covered more distance. Yeah. Workload. More for Eager. High speed distance. More for Eager. Explosive movements. I listen. I'm just reading these off. I don't have a clue what any of them really mean, to be honest, apart from distance. I'm not sure how significant the others are, considering Ons Jabur defeats Garcia in all of them. Doesn't mean Workload. much to me. Um, just looking at this one, though, Igor dominates Arina Sabalenka and potentially we're going to see the same on the court. I mean, I know you've got their head-to-head, so maybe we'll start with that because it seems to be quite one-sided for Igor, right? And especially the last yeah. match. I remember we covered it, I think, on the channel. Yeah, right. It was just abysmal from Sabalenka's perspective. She didn't have a chance. Two and one. Yeah, uh, it was. And she's not, well, she's not won a set from Eager in the last three meetings. And they are all this year, their meeting. So she's lost six sets to love. She played on hard court once. That was in Doha. Uh, it was, she's not even come really close. She's not even got close to a, to the end of the set. I don't think she's even won four in a set yet against Eager. So domination on every single of these six sets from Eager Sviontek. So a scary prospect, but Sabalenka, if anyone's got the game to beat, uh, yeah, if anyone's got the game to beat Eager, then I think it is someone like Sabalenka because she is powerful. She's got a big serve. If it all goes together, surely she could win the whole thing. Well, with Sabalenka, this is her third semi-final at a slam. So the two prior, we remember them quite well. The Pliskova one at Wimbledon and the Leila Fernandez one at Flushing Meadows last year. And yep. we know Leila Fernandez went on to the final, lost to Radu Kanu. But really, Sabalenka was favourite going into both of their matches. This one, she's not the favourite. And I think that is to her advantage. Sabah going into a semi final as a favourite is not good for her mind. I don't think that necessarily helps her. And it can make her just seize up at the big moments and the serve goes off a little bit. Mm. However, her coming in as an underdog is beneficial. The only problem is with all of this is the player she's going to be playing is Igor Savante, who she doesn't seem to like to play. Like we said on the head-to-head, the last three matches, Igor's demolished her. And the last one being two, what, she won three games. It was over in just over an hour. So... Hopefully, we get to see more of a spectacle. I feel like we probably will, considering Iga's serve is not looking too good. I mean, against Pagula, I think in that second mm. set, she got broke more or less every single service game, bar one or two. And the tie. So, 
and the tie break. So yeah. her serving's struggling massively. Sabah, if this first serve goes in, we know it's one of the biggest serves on tour. Yeah. You'd think she's going to get a lot of return points. And with a big serve, this maybe is the best time to be playing an eager. And that's why I'm actually fancying Sabah to take at least a set. However, I don't think she's good value to win the match. And I think eager will come through. And we're going to see more mental fragility from Sabalenka. So potentially, this is how I see it going. Iga takes the first set. Saba takes the second. Saba's going to be up a break in the third and still lose the third set. Oh, mad. Oh, no. It's going to be signs of last year's uh, yeah. US Open when she was double faulting right at the end. That yeah. uh, was very sad to see. I'm going to go for something a bit different on this one because I've seen Iga faltering all, her way, all the way through this tournament. Ooh, but still, Saba, are you? I know I've seen her faltering, but I think she's still getting the job done and i think the the fact she sab has barely done anything against her in the last six sets i think it's going to continue i think eager does it in straight sets and two comfortable sets like a, a three and a two nice well, we've got some stats here so jabur is six love record versus garcia on the juniors i know you're speaking about that eager leads sabalenka 3-1 winning all three this year in straight sets so well, we've not gone for them because we've both gone for Garcia Eager so far. Yeah, We've got another stat here saying Eager Svante is the first female player to reach three Grand Slam semifinals in a single season since Venus Williams in 2017. Wow. Incessant. And listen, so do you good. know what I thought was crazy? I didn't realise Venus Williams made three semifinals in 2017. I thought it was a lot earlier than that. I mean, that's not that long ago. It's like no, five years ago. <laughs> it's impressed. She was, had a good yeah. year that year. Yeah. I know. It's a bit mad to think that. I, it's a good reminder. A... That's what the biggest first thing what I thought about. But of course, credit to Eager. That is a real phenomenal achievement. I think she's probably going to go one better next year and make maybe four. Yeah, she's certainly she's... capable. She can definitely do it. It's I just mean, the Wimbledon one, isn't it? What's tricky mm, for her? She can still do that, though. I feel like it's just going to take a little bit of time to just get used to it. She didn't have any warm-up tournaments before Wimbledon. I think maybe she needs them. Um, obviously she was trying the Djokovic didn't really work did it <laughs> wasn't the same outcome Djokovic got the title eager out to Cornet. so I believe there's one more eager here and this is a quote from her saying looking logically at the last tournaments I just didn't know if this one was going to be possible for me to be consistent and to win so many matches in a row but I feel like I've been playing better and better every week since the start of the swing I think she's hitting the ball better. I think her serving's not getting better, though. I don't know what happened in that last match. She was definitely... like The rallies were actually really good between her and Pagula. So you've got to give Pagula some credit because she actually hang, like, was hanging in rallies that other she people wouldn't. turned up a little yeah. bit. But it the was, serving wasn't good enough. No, it was terrible. I mean, it was it was below par for both. But Saba, she only served three double faults in her last match against Pliskova. So that's a vast improvement from the Collins match where it was 11. So, who knows? If Sab has tied in up her serving, be worried, eager. <laughs> yeah, we've got Tennis Italia in saying she somehow didn't even win a title in 2017. Venus was just in some amazing form. Yeah, that's true. Also went on to say, so sad to hear about the Queen. Condolences to your nation. Uh, appreciate that. Tennis Italia, of course, is a very sad day for the UK with the passing <laughs> of the Queen. And it just come as a big surprise. But hopefully we can try and spread some light on your day, covering some of the tennis. We will be live for the first semi-final from midnight. 
followed by the next one after that, which will be Iga Sabalenka. But let's move on to the men's. We've done our predictions for the women's. For the men's, the first semi-final we have here is Karen Hatchinoff, Kasper Ruud. And I'm sort of dubbing this as the one probably nobody predicted. Yeah, no one. Adkaraj, TFO, maybe not TFO, but Adkaraj can make a case for this one as a matchup. I don't think anyone would have thought Karen Hatchinoff is going to play Kasper Ruud at the semi-finals. <laughs> I mean, let me just clarify who was on this half of the draw and fill in the gaps of anyone I miss. Medvedev, Felix, Busta, Kyrgios. Sissipas. Sissipas. Murray. I wasn't going to include him. <laughs> but there, him there's that. some big names. And none of them made the semi-final. Instead, we've ended up with Hatchinoff, Rude. I mean, who do you favour? It's a hard one. Neither it's of us have picked them in any predictions. or no. We've got it basically. Berrettini, sorry, is another big name on that. Yeah, segment. yeah. Massive and one. What happened? What What has happened here? Um, Hatchinov just played out of his skin, I think. He's had a really good tournament. He's beaten, he's on to five sets the last two matches. Uh, I'm bit, I'm still annoyed that Jack Draper got injured because he, I think he could have beaten Hatchinov. I think this could have been a Draper tournament if he didn't get injured. But... on that side. Cheers, t- uh, Theo. Oh, good yeah, chat. just about. Uh, I mean, the way he's been playing, though, to beat Booster who I had in my semi-final, I think, Buster, and then Kyrgios as well. It's back-to-back five-setters. That's just so impressive. Uh, they're two really tough players on hard court. The form of Kyrgios, the American swing of Buster. Do Should we keep doubting Hatchinov? <laughs> That's what I want to ask you. Well, so this is the world 31's career best result in slams. He's never progressed past beyond the third round at the US Open in seven attempts and lost both of his previous quarterfinal matches in slams at the French Open in 2019 and Wimbledon last year. So this is great for him on the hard courts. He's never got this far in a slam. He's now one step away from a final. And this is probably a good opponent for him to play, I feel. I think Kasper Ruud, out of everyone isn't the worst. It could have been a lot worse. The head-to-head is one love to Casper Ruud, but that was mm. on the clay courts of Rome, so I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, and it was three sets as well. Listen, part of me thinks Hatchinoff beats him, and I can't quite explain it, but if you look at Hatchinoff, who is beaten, Draper, Buster, Kyrgios, I'm just more impressed yeah. with that than Paul Moutet Berrettini. Yeah. I mean, the Berrettini one sounds good, but then if you look at what how Berrettini was sort of playing in the tournament, it sort of doesn't make it look quite as good because Berrettini went to five with Fakina, lost a set to Murray, went through, lost a set, set to, to Grenier, Grenier. Yeah, yeah, and then Jarry, <laughs> well, uh, qualifier. So you really expect him to get through that one. But yeah, it wasn't impressive from Berrettini this tournament, really. I think Casper Ruud caught uh, an opportunity, took it with open arms, but he'll be fresher because we know that, Be- the, not Berrettini, Hatchinov's been to five sets. He's went three hours 23 with Buster and then with Kyrgios, three hours 41. So been on court for a long old time and Casper Ruud got his done in two and a half hours against Berrettini in his last match. Yeah, on Casper so... Ruud, of course, if he is able to make the final and Adkaraz doesn't make the final, he will be world number one, as far as I'm aware. If he wins the whole thing, he's definitely world number one. 
It doesn't quite sit right with me. Sorry to Lexi. I know you're a big Casper Ruud fan. I find it bizarre that Casper Ruud would be a world number one. I don't think he is the best player in the world. But yeah, he did get to the final Roland Garros this year. He does play a lot of events. He's good on all of the surfaces. So it is what it is. I mean, you just got to congratulate him if he's able to make that make that feat. In this situation, though, I think it's a tough one. But I'm actually going to be backing Karen Hatchinov to win um, in five sets. I'm actually having oh. Hatchinov in a Grand Slam final. I'm actually not. I'm going to, as much as I don't want to go against him again, I am going to go against Hatchinov again because I feel that Kasper Rude's seeing that number one and he's thinking... Yeah, but that could be a bad thing, him seeing the number one. Sissipas spoke about it in his defeat, the possibility of him being world number one. Zverev, uh, a few months back, maybe last year, I forget exactly when it was, he had, a, I think maybe the start of the year, possibility of becoming world number one, lost straight away. There's a lot of pressure on your shoulder becoming world number one. We've seen Sissipas crumble. We've seen Zverev crumble. I think Kasper Ruud's the next to crumble, and that's why I'm having Hatchinov win him. I feel that Kasper Ruud, he's only going to want to get it once. I didn't. Well, he's not going to only want to get it once, but I feel that if he gets it now, he can just say, oh, I got it. Like, he's going to try and just grab it now while it's hey, there. Ruud's a bit of a 250 merchant, isn't he, though? <laughs> he's just this a 250 like... merchant. Well, I don't know he what he's doing the, here again. If he grabs in the final, and imagine Alcaraz doesn't. Like, all he has to do is just get past Hatchinov. Hatchinov's been on court for like nearly seven hours, like in the last two matches. Can he wear him out? Can he maneuver him around? Can he find the weakness like he did with Berrettini, just planting it into the backhand? Will Hatchinov serve well? Because if he doesn't, it's going to be a tough day at the office for Hatchinov. I'm going Kasparud in four. Okay, so we're going head-to-head on this one. The bottom one, maybe my tie of the semi-finals, the one I'm really looking forward to. Carlos Adekadaz, Francis TFO, two of the most impressive players this event across the men's and the women's. You put probably Caroline Garcia in there as well. I mean, TFO, look what he's done. Just look what he's done. I don't think we need to really give him much of an introduction. He's beaten Rafa on the Dow. And then in the next round... It was Rublev in straight yes. sets. I know. He also it was really just... sad as well for Rublev. I don't know if you saw him on the court crying. He was clearly really emotional. TFO's serving is just ridiculous. Yeah. And then you look at Alcaraz, and I mean, he's just the ready-made next big free player. Yeah. I That's mean, it. It just feels like he's the one to transition into the void, which Djokovic and Nadal Federer is going to leave behind. And he's just... Simply incredible. Him and Sinner are special. Adekar has got the better of him on this on this occasion. Is he going to be tired? That's my big worry. Francis TFO's had relatively two easy matches. I know Rafa, you can say it wasn't an easy match, but he got it done in four sets and wasn't really in trouble too much. I thought he played the better from start to finish. Same against Rublev. Adkaraz has had two five-setters. One against the US Open champion in mm-hmm. Chile. The next yeah. one against Yannick Sinner. Over almost 10 hours on call. I think it's almost the same as the Godfather trilogy in time. Yeah. <laughs> that was the tweet I read out earlier. And yeah. I mean, that is my big worry. Is his muscles going to be aching like crazy? Or is he young and he can just bounce back and be playing his best tennis? Because if Alcaraz plays his best tennis, I can't see no reason why he doesn't even defeat an informed TFO. But we could be on with a real popcorn match. Because if TFO plays his best tennis, Alcaraz plays his best tennis, we're probably going to see another like we saw yesterday with Sinner Alcaraz. It could be, we could be looking at another five-hour match. We could well be. I mean, 
I don't want to even be like a party pooper a little bit on an Alcaraz parade. But let's wind back to last year. Alcaraz played five sets against Sissipas. He followed it up in the next round with five sets against Gyovchik. And then he couldn't yeah. play the next match because he went out injured against Felix. Yeah, now he's just played five sets against Chilich. He's played five sets against That's Sinner. Horror, yeah. And now he's facing TFO, who is super fresh, like like Felix was last year. Well, we've got year. Daniel in saying he's 19. He can wake up the next day and be 100%. When he was 18, he couldn't do that. So what's one year? Well, this is the problem. And that's he has what come I'm... on leaps and bounds since last year, but still I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, five hours, 15 minutes is not a normal amount of time to be on a tennis court. And he's played over 10 hours in the last two matches. That is going to take a toll on your body. And even if it doesn't take a toll on this next match, because if he goes five again, what's he going to be like for the final? The, the other person's going to be rubbing their hands together. This is going to be a Hatchinov's going to win the US Open. What well, a story that would be. Well, it just retires in the final after the first game. Can't That'd walk anywhere. Insane. Um, but yeah, I've said my thoughts on this one. I don't know if you've got anything else to add. I mean, I can bring up some other stats because there's plenty head here. Head. In terms of a head-to-head, let's go through that. Well, TFO so, leads it. It's pretty interesting. They've played twice <laughs> and TFO's won both. <laughs> but one of them was Hurlington, which is an exhibition. Never on, never so I'm, not court, I'm not counting that. The other one was Barcelona, um, which is a bit surprising. In Spain, TFO on the clay beat Alcalad. So it's, it's just a fascinating match. I mean, I can go through the summary here. And if you want to read a little bit about Alcaraz, you can see the US Open draw has three first-time semi-finalists, including TFO. The last time any slam had three or more first-time semi-finalists was the French Open back in 2005 when Rafael Nadal won his maiden title at this level, defeating Roger Federer in the semi-final and Mariano Puerta in the final. And I remember that. So that is pretty insane that this is the first time since then. That's um, also, the 24-year-old American has, has never been the American world number one. And he has a free ride on the main tour so far so far without any real pressure and expectation on his shoulders. However, it's not the case anymore. As he now starts to carry a lot of the hopes of the USA. And they're waiting for a champion in New York since Andy Roddick in 2003. He is, in fact, the first American to reach the semi-final of this tournament since 2006. Andy Roddick defeating Mikhail Yuzny. So the Americans are really going to get behind TFO. They've not had an American in the semi-final for some time. I thought Taylor Fritz was going to be that guy. Instead, it's, ta- it's uh, Francis TFO. That's pretty mad, isn't it? Like, I mean, Fritz would be sort of the the natural one that you'd probably go to. Which you, like, yep. the draw didn't look too bad for him. You thought him in yeah, the final, exactly. But then TFO, you thought that's a bit of a <laughs> nightmare. God, he's got Rafa on his side. I couldn't see him going further than that. And he's proved everybody wrong and destroyed Rublev in straight sets. So fresh as a fiddle. Predictions time, JG. Uh, well, just quickly, with Alcaraz, I don't know if we spoke about it, but I said it earlier. He's um, the youngest semi-finalist at the US Open mm. since Pete Sampras, 1990, who defeated McEnroe in the semi-final and won the title. And he's the youngest in slam since his idol and former world number one, Rafael Nadal at Roland Garros. 2005 wow so big companies in it's just amazing i'm just so happy that he's doing it at the age he is as well it's just really refreshing 
I was I was sad for Sinner because I we'd be saying the same thing about Sinner if he was there as well right now because oh, he definitely. was he was playing so well. Well, I felt that it's a shame that that wasn't the final. I said it on the news yeah. video. It felt like a final, and it didn't really deserve to be any losers. But on this occasion, Sinner did lose. The one thing it does bode well for is if Alcaraz is to go to five sets with TFO, which is a possibility. He's extremely good in five sets. Yeah. He's got an, a record of seven wins, one loss in five set matches in slams. It's amazing. The only defeat coming against Berrettini at the Australian Open. True. That was close, though. Yeah. Very, very close. Huh? Man, he was still sort of just finding his feet, though, on the... Uh... Yeah, on on the Grand Slam level, and I was impressed he even went to five with Berrettini then. But yeah, let's get some predictions in. Come on, uh, let us know yours in the live chat as well, and in the comments section if you're watching this after the fact. Here we go. Drum roll, please. I'll build it up. Something clicked yesterday with that amazing match. I think that we saw the He's coming of safe. age. Are you playing it safe again, man? We saw the coming of age. We saw a man oh, growing, a legend born. Boring, Carlos man. Alcaraz has now spotted his opportunity to win his first Grand Slam title. And he, for me, is well, he's the best player left in the draw. So if he doesn't take this opportunity, he'd be a mad man not to. So I've got him winning, and I think it will be in four sets. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> 100%. I was also going to go Carlos Adekaz in four, Vamos. which maybe could be the worst thing ever that we agree on something. Mm. Because last time we agreed on, on a prediction, it was Rafa to win the US Open oh. and Berrettini. <laughs> Look what happened there. They both went out straight after. So, well, Berrettini went out straight after. Rafa went out against TFO. So I'm a bit concerned that we've gone for the exact same here, but I'm going to stick with my guns. That was what I had before we started this video, and that's yeah. what I'm going to stick with right now. So Carlos Alcaraz, the number three seed, is going to secure world number one status and win against TFO. Amazing. Can't wait to see it. I mean, hopefully just they perform to the best of their ability and the crowd gets a real show. That's all I'm after in that match because there aren't going to be any losers, that's for sure. Yep. So, uh, well, that's it. That's the semi-final predictions and preview done and dusted. Now onto the matches. Uh, they kick off in about 20 to 30 minutes time. Make sure to join us for Ons Jabur, Caroline Garcia, the first semi-final. Yeah, it's very sad we're coming to the end of the US Open, but thanks everyone for helping us reach 45,000 subscribers. If you haven't already, hit that button. Subscribe if you are new. And do we still have the fireworks on here? I hope so. I think we do. Woo. Anyway, thanks, guys. And we'll see you for the matches very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.